What would it take to arouse your life, to experience more connection, more pleasure, more realness, in and outside of the bedroom? I'm August McLaughlin, and this is Girl Boner Radio. And I realized that I really wanted to own more of my sexuality, be more free, be okay with it. And I didn't want to judge my friends. And that I just wanted to feel more sexy, free, and expressed. Tia Lynn, also known as Sexy Biz Babe, is a marketing, sex, and confidence coach who exudes passion and gusto. In fact, the first footage I caught of her online shows Tia vivaciously teaching a room full of women how to own their sexy through twerking, a twerk shop, as she called it. Okay, I'm watching it now, and how does she even do that with her hips? It's so cool. Tia told me she always had a passion for dance and self-expression, but she could not have imagined busting sultry moves on camera, especially considering what she learned about sex. When I look back at my youth, I tend to think of just being in the dark and not really knowing what sex is not having a lot of information, it being bad, and to wait until you're married. I grew up in Utah, which is a very predominant Mormon area, which brings out a lot of very kind, nice people, but also a lot of judgment. There's not a lot of sex education And there's just not a lot of talk about it. So yes, a lot of shame, a lot of judgment, a lot of just, I had no real clue. Tia carried that shame into adulthood. But for a long time, she didn't realize it. Shame can be insidious that way. But then one day, she had an epiphany. I was at my pole studio where they have aerial and pole, and I was doing more fitness-type classes and tricks. One of the teachers, the instructors, she was wearing a sexy outfit with eight-inch stripper heels, and she was dancing on the floor and doing sexy movements and body rolls and tricks, and, like, it looked amazing. And I feel bad about it now, but... I was judging her and being like, oh, she shouldn't be doing that. She's like giving people a free show, sexy dancing in front of a camera because she was going to post it and like showing her ass and dancing sexy. As Tia continued to watch her instructor's performance, she thought, well, I can't do that. I can't be a stripper. That's not empowering me. I don't want to be belittled. And I just had a lot of judgment towards her. And that didn't feel right. I was just like, wait, I kind of enjoy all this stuff. Why can't I show it? Yeah, oh, that's so big. And it sounds like maybe stripping had a negative connotation. What did you learn growing up about stripping? 
Ooh, yep. That's the nail on the head. So many derogatory things towards stripping. Stripping is the last place you'll be. It means you're a failure. It means you're not educated. You didn't succeed. Now you have to go strip. Very demeaning, not empowering. Nothing empowering about stripping did I ever hear. It's just like you're being pushed into it. Everything just very derogatory towards stripping. So I think that's what it was. And she was an ex-stripper as well. And so there was just a lot of things going on in my brain when I saw that. Tia said it was complicated. Those mixed feelings of, I really want to do this and stripping is dirty. So she took a pause. And just tried to not judge her because it didn't make sense to me. And then I was doing a lot of spiritual growth work and challenging my beliefs anyways. And I remember hearing about shadow work. Shadow work is often defined as working with your unconscious mind to uncover the parts of yourself that you repress and hide from yourself. Shadow work is pretty much bringing those triggers and shadows to the surface and understanding them and understanding that those are often are a projection of your own beliefs and it's really important to bring it to the surface so you don't keep stuffing it down and then judging others. A good example is a gay person who isn't out of the closet and pushing it down and saying he's not gay and saying he's not gay, it might be that person that goes out into the world and is rude or a bully to gays because he can't even admit it to himself. So then he goes and hurts, bullies other gay people because he can't even be okay with those thoughts or feelings. So once Tia noticed those judgy thoughts about her instructor, she decided to learn more about shadow work. A video she found online featured an exercise. It broke down your thoughts and where it came from and maybe that those are your desires. And I did it and I was like, whoa. Maybe those judgments about her instructor's sexy dance were really about her own desires to do just that. And I realized that I really wanted to own more of my sexuality, be more free, be okay with it, and I didn't want to judge my friends, and that I just wanted to feel more sexy, free, and expressed. And so she started working toward that, delving into activities she found intriguing and sexy, things that she had wanted to try but seemed too taboo like sex parties and non-monogamy. She set out on adventures. I would say one of my first ones was a threesome with one of my best friends. She had just attended an event put on by Skirt Club a social club for bi-curious and bisexual women. It was me and two of my girlfriends and she was putting on the event. And after we were all just like free and happy and like excited and we were like, oh, let's have like a foursome. And we were just really giddy and happy and cute. 
For whatever reason, that foursome didn't work out, so Tia formed a new plan. I texted the guy I was seeing, and I was like, hey, would you want to have a threesome? And he was all in. And so I was like, come to my house, and me and my one of my best friends at the time had a threesome with him. <laughs> Impromptu threesomes don't always work out the greatest, to put it lightly. You can learn more about that from the episode featuring educator Stella Harris from last year. But for Tia and her two friends, it worked out well. She thinks for a few reasons. I feel like threesomes, the main thing is you have to be confident and you're doing it for yourself, not for somebody else, which is what I was doing. And I was already, like, secure in that type of relationship with that man. So I wasn't afraid. I was the one putting it together. I think those are very key components. And I already had a good relationship with that friend of mine that wouldn't bring up jealousy. And I had fun and we were friends and we were all flowing and having a good time. And he was having a good time. Honestly, it just brought me and my friend closer. We both respect each other. We had something that we shared. It was fun. It didn't happen again, but it was like a really good first experience. There was no awkwardness for us, but we were very free and we kissed before, but it was just like fun, freeing, and probably brought me and the guy a little bit too close together. So I was like, hey, we need to pump the brakes. (laughs) So tell us about your exploration into non-monogamy. I bet that challenged some of your early beliefs as well. Oh, boy. So starting to explore ethical non-monogamy was tough. A lot of deep work to be done. It wasn't easy, and there's not a one-size-fits-all type of strategy. I just remember exploring YouTube and looking up, how do I do open relationships? How do I deal with jealousy? How do I deal with all these things? There's not an instruction pamphlet that will work for everybody. To be honest, it brought up a lot of past issues, abandonment wounds, jealousy. There's just so much that comes to the surface when you're exploring this. That could be like a warning, like just know that. And it takes a lot of communication and trust and honestly, just communication. (laughs) Did it turn out to be something that you've embraced and you want to keep in your life? Or was it something that you explored and decided that was quite an experience and it's not for me? Yeah. Ethical non-monogamy could be a variation of things. That could even be like you and your partner who are monogamous having threesomes. It could also be having a relationship with multiple people, that's polyamory, but that's under ethical non-monogamy. So yes, I'm definitely more ethically non-monogamous. My last partner and I, we were mostly monogamous. We did everything together, but we explored together, we communicated, and we didn't make if one of us wanted to try something new a bad thing. And it was all about communication and trust first and not rules and punishment. That's huge. 
And thank you for pointing out how different it can look for people, because I think it does bring up this idea of just this wild abandon, which for some folks it may be, but often it's something where folks are pretty much monogamous and they also have certain freedoms and those are different for everyone, right? Yeah. Some people are more free with it, like you said, but even polyamory, there's usually like one, two or three like really close partners that talk things through and they respect each other and they communicate and there's people that are married that do it, but still it's their partner they put first and they communicate to and they make sure things are okay with. This episode is supported by Athletic Greens. I added AG1 to a smoothie today with almond milk and banana and peanut butter, and it was delicious. And I also love knowing that I got a range of vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and more sourced from whole foods. Plus, AG1 is designed to promote daytime alertness and sleep quality. Athletic Greens founder struggled with lots of gut health issues, and he created AG1 to help folks invite more wellness without having to take a ton of supplements. To make things easy, Athletic Greens is offering you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just visit athleticgreens.com slash girlboner. I also love that for every purchase, they donate to organizations that get nutritious food to kids in need. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash girlboner to quote, take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Today, Tia is an ambassador for the Orange County Division of Skirt Club, that social club she partied at before her first threesome. And throughout her exploration, Tia has become increasingly passionate about it. It is such a safe place to explore your sexuality without maybe pressure of the male gaze or and so I love Skirt Club. I love how safe it is. All the events that I usually go to are vetted play parties where you have to get accepted. It's like a party. It's a production and you don't just walk in and everybody's having sex. It's more like you warm up just like a party and there's entertainment and themes and then it gets juicier because there's shows or entertainment that are sexy like a burlesque show, fire dancing, even porn performed in front of you. She described that last bit as jaw-dropping. One of the best parts of all of it There is no pressure to engage in anything or to stay for any particular amount of time. You can go and you just watch or you can explore. I love it. It's like that sexually free experience without phones where you watch people literally do whatever they want. They're not doing it for anybody else. There's no judgment. It could be gone and over with the next day like – Nobody's judging you. So you can see people really let loose. Oh, my goodness. Hearing you say that and thinking of you growing up and then also 
that moment of like, oh, I can't believe that she's stripping for Instagram or whatever. What a huge transformation for you. <laughs> Do you look back on that? Do you have compassion for the younger version of yourself? What comes up for you when you think about the the changes in your life? Yeah, for sure. I do have compassion for that person, which is why I have compassion for other people who judge me because I get a little bit of hate here and there because I do share twerking videos and pole dancing and owning my sexuality with those eight-inch heels. And I used to be the person who judged that. And I just do it for me. I love it. And I know that I'm also that walking, dancing trigger to other people. It's also a big chunk of time. I just like to share that it started small, small, small little steps that led to where I am now. It wasn't just an overnight shift. Yeah. And it feels to me that the biggest shift in you, it's not even about the particulars on how it plays out. It's this confidence that you exude in this very graceful, like, I'm me, I'm not judging anyone, I'm here to be myself kind of way, which is really lovely. You know, for some folks that might lead them to threesomes and play parties and all these different things. And for other people, it may make them feel better about this marriage that they chose. And they love the quote unquote vanilla sex. And that's great too. I just think it's so much more than just what we do, right? It's this essence. And so I wonder if you could share some thoughts and some tips. I know you've talked about this on your podcast, Comparisonitis, which I think is such a big one. Yeah. Over the years, I've found that shame and judgment on yourself and others is one of the biggest blocks to more confidence and better sex. You can heal shame by bringing light to it and not keeping it locked away. The best way to start being more confident is accepting those parts of yourself that you're scared to share. So like me, it was me that wanted to dance. I was scared to share it. And some other parts of myself could be just me being vulnerable, to be honest. That's scary. So me being more vulnerable with other people, sharing that sometimes I get sad. You know, I'm this Aries like, I have a wall. I'm strong. But to be honest, I am very vulnerable. Things do affect me and I do have a sensitive side. So that could even be a part. We have so many masks on and just starting to strip away those masks one by one really helps you feel more free and confident in your true self. When you have all these masks it's like you're almost trying to play each character all the time, which is a lot of work. So once you let them all down, you just feel free. And this confidence, this demeanor, this light comes out and people are just magnetized to you. They can feel the authenticity. To get there, Tia recommends a little step every day, like... Wear what you really want to wear. Say what you really want to say. Share what you want to share. Be sad if you're sad. Share that you care for someone. Use those moments. It could be the smallest things that add up over time. 
it sounds like it takes a lot of self-awareness that could be intimidating in some ways, right? To really look at ourselves, but really asking ourselves, is this really what I want to be doing? Is this really what I want to be wearing? It feels like it could take a lot of energy, but I love what you said about all this energy goes into actually wearing the masks. So much energy. <laughs> mm, and then you can have all that energy back. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You're like an energizer bunny once you take your power back. <laughs> you're I like, go, that. go, go, and on a roll. Tia sees these transformations a lot in folks she coaches around marketing, business, and sex. I would say my underlying passion beneath all of it, the common theme is confidence. Confidence to share yourself and market yourself better. Confidence to have better sex. Confidence to speak your desires. Confidence to be more of you. That goes through all of those three coaching aspects. She helps clients come back to themselves, she said, and to discover their truest desires so they can live with a sense of purpose. When it comes to sex coaching, Tia delights in helping women feel fully expressed and to experience more pleasure in the bedroom. I grew up in Utah where a lot of women just had sex for somebody else and didn't even know how to have orgasms. So when they can have full pleasure and orgasms and happiness and feel that power, ugh, that's my favorite. We hear so much about confidence online and in memes and just in friend conversations and from books and all over the place. Is there something that you feel like we tend to get wrong about it? I would say judgment and shame isn't talked about enough in it. And we put way too much maybe towards just fake it till you make it. Healing the judgment and shame I feel is like one of the biggest parts. Like everybody I talk to, that's a common theme. Another common theme in terms of sexual confidence is comparing ourselves to others. Are we adventurous enough or too adventurous or as quote-unquote sexy as we should be? Yeah, it's those shoulds. Those shoulds, those comparisons. That's what is wrong in the world (laughs) because we're all different. So I would say – Ultimately, you just have to know that you're different. You may want a different type of lifestyle or sex life. And to really understand that first, just the other day, I compared myself to somebody I know. I'll be honest. I was like, oh, she just gets really turned on so easily. She gets off really easily. And I compared myself. And I was like, well, Maybe something's wrong with me. It's just like this human instinct that we have, and it's okay. Tia has learned that when these thoughts come up, she can question and reframe them. I'm just different, and we need all these different types of people in the world. We can't all be the same. That would be super boring. So yeah, it takes me a little bit longer to rile up. It takes different things. It takes me longer to get off sometimes, and that is okay. So whatever you are, whatever you like, try and work on being okay that you are different. Speaking of embracing our uniqueness and cultivating confidence, 
Talking with Tia made me think of a couple of past Girl Boner episodes. Back in early 2018, Genevieve Lejeune, CEO of Skirt Club, joined me to talk about her own sexual exploration journey. And confidence was a big theme. After learning very little about sex early on, Genevieve became vocal about her identity as a bisexual woman. Here's a clip from our conversation. Why is talking about bisexuality important to you? It's just such a release to be able to say it out loud. I certainly found my own feet that way. Believe it or not, you know, five years ago, I was quite a meek and mild person working in finance who couldn't find their own voice and often put down or put into a corner by men who I worked with. I was just struggling to know who I really was. Talking about your own sexuality is a huge hurdle to overcome, especially when it's something still taboo. So it was a big break for me. And the first, you know, 35 times I said it out loud, they were all really scary. And now I just have immense satisfaction from sharing it. So I know that every time I share something about myself, it emboldens another woman to do the same. Yes, I relate to that from both directions. And I think that's such a powerful way to empower ourselves, empower others. Was there a specific catalyst while you were working in finance and your life was so different? Was it kind of an accumulation of all these experiences and those challenges with saying it out loud? Or was there kind of an event or an epiphany where you thought, I need to really speak up about this? Yeah, there definitely was an epiphany. You know, a couple of instances at work, which I thought were highly unfair, where I'm told to shut up because what do I know? And it just kept happening throughout my life where I was belittled because I was the marketing girl or, you know, the, the female who was new on the block. But my opinion never, ever counted. And I just didn't like living in a man's world anymore. And I realized as soon as I got out of finance that I had to do everything I could to change it. Pursuing sexual empowerment might not seem like the obvious way to change the world or how you feel in, say, business or your work life. But often, it's all quite connected. Genevieve's path is such a strong example of that. So I asked her how embracing our sexuality can sprinkle into the rest of our lives. It's one very simple word, confidence. As soon as I found my confidence, nothing could stop me. And it was very easy for me to put my foot forward and to speak up. And and then I got respect. And it really was just a case of breaking my own fear and being out loud about my sexuality and enjoying sex for myself by asking for what I wanted gave me this newfound confidence that I, I'd never had before. And things suddenly took off as a result. I just literally unleashed myself. And I'm so happy to have done it. I could not have continued living that way. Genevieve founded Skirt Club in 2014, and she continues to support fellow bisexual and bi-curious women through events and gatherings around the world. And that work has shown her that sexual confidence is there for the embracing for all of us. If you'd like to grow in that area, here's what she suggested. I think, first of all, never shut off your brain as to what you desire. You know, we, as women, we are so, 
we so easily give and care for others that we forget to listen to us to our own heads. We shut that down in an attempt to please other people first. That's rule number one. And we're taught to do that very early on as women. Actually, I think this next generation does not have the same issue, but women certainly around my age, sort of 30s and 40s, need to start really listening to their own hearts and untrain themselves almost. The more you know who you are and explore it, the happier you will be. It can only be the right way to live your life. If you give forever, you just end up being depleted. So I think that's a very important lesson. And, and have respect for yourself, you know. Don't think that trying everything makes you a better person. Try what you need to try and be content with it. I so appreciate that because I have received quite a few questions from people who feel like they're not kind of, quote, cool enough or, quote, open enough. They may have friends or partners or peers who they consider a lot more sexually adventurous or they want you know, an open relationship and they feel like they just can't be cool enough. And I, I love that you brought that up because I just don't think that there's this hierarchy. I feel like it's all about authenticity and, and figuring out who who we are. You couldn't have said it better. I mean, really, there is no hierarchy at all. I could choose to have threesomes every night of my life if I wanted to, but I, I choose not to. I prefer being in a monogamous relationship with my husband. It makes me happy. We are both content. So why would I ever change that? And I'm really quite satisfied. <laughs> in other words, your contentment, it can be an awesome guidepost on your own confidence and sexual empowerment path, no matter the particulars. Speaking with Tia also reminded me of a conversation I had with Ruby Skilton in mid-2019. Ruby described herself as a one-and-a-half-arm, confidence-forward, self-loving weirdo on a mission to help everybody feel comfortable in their own skin and embrace their dream life. By one-and-a-half-arm, by the way, she was talking about limb difference. I was born with my full right arm and half of my left arm, and I have seven fingers in total. So it varies from person to person, but the overall idea, I guess, it's that you do not have all of your limbs. Even though some two million people in the U.S. alone have an amputation or were born with limb difference, Ruby said she felt like the only one who was different in that way for a long time. Do you remember a time when you realized that there was something pretty different about you? Definitely, and that was in middle school. And it happened so subconsciously that I didn't even know I was ashamed of my story till a year and a half ago, maybe. It wasn't like till all my friends started dating and going on dates and like liking boys and boys liking them back or, you know, whatever it was. And I was like, okay, like, what? what's different about me? And that's when I started noticing. And that is when I took on the wearing long sleeves all the time. Where I'm from, it's 100 plus degrees all the time. And I somehow convinced myself that that was who I was. That was my style. That I liked wearing sweaters. That I was like the scene kid that liked wearing long sleeves all the time. And it was until I started doing self-development that I was like, 
Why am I wearing long sleeves in 100 plus degree weather going from Texas to Southern California? It was such a shock to know that it did affect me. And I realized I was different so subconsciously that I didn't even know I was doing it. That's so interesting. I think that it really can, those messages can seep in, the the shame that we can feel about being different in some kind of way. I was looking at some different studies and There was one published in the International Journal of Eating Disorders involving teenage girls that showed that poor body image increased steadily along with how active they were on Facebook and that the more friends that they had, the more self-conscious and thin striving they tended to be, which on one hand wasn't too surprising, right? Especially when you're a teen, maybe looking for validation or you start getting like attention for a certain picture and there's that little dopamine Mm. thing going off in your head. But then also social media is used in wonderful ways. The way that you're using it, your Instagram is full of light and these positive messages. Do you feel like social media has impacted your own journey, like leading up to your activism and now? Definitely. And social media can be such a wonderful thing, like you said, Or it could be your biggest trigger. For me, when I first started getting into social media was back in the MySpace days. And it was kind of like top friends and all that stuff. And when Instagram came along, that totally changed the game. You saw these Instagram models or Insta models or whatever they're called. And the Kardashians blew up. I almost felt like I had to look a certain way to achieve some type of success or some type of validation. So it took a lot of self-development and like looking into my own life and my beliefs and my values to be like, it's okay to be different. That is something Ruby has had to work on in her dating life in recent years too. She told me it was her own limiting beliefs versus judgment from people she dated that caused some issues. When it came to dating, I feel like I was the only one putting those limits on myself because everyone that I've dated has had no problem with it. I feel like that goes for anyone that's struggling with self-image. It's mainly in our head. Yeah, there's people that may not accept it, but don't decide for someone else whether you're their type or not. So for me, let's say I was into a guy or a girl or whatever, and I didn't go for them because I didn't think they'd accept me. So that held me back a lot. Ruby said she can see how her challenges around self-acceptance impacted her sexuality, too. I feel like, just like everyone else, I was embarrassed to be, you know, naked with someone. And it's that self-fear that they're not going to accept me or that I don't live up to their standards. But what are standards? You know, everyone has different standards. It sounds like, I mean, because I was watching one of your videos, you said the only thing you struggle with is like putting your hair in a ponytail. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) I feel like, you know, for you, it's probably just like it is for the rest of us. I just, I don't want to assume that. Totally. No, yeah. I think for me, in my case, it is normal. I could pretty much do whatever, you know, but Every case is different. So, you know, what I might be able to do might not be what someone with a missing leg or missing two legs might be able to do. So just be open with your partner and what are you comfortable with doing and what you're not comfortable with doing. 
Having those vulnerable conversations. Yeah, that's really important. I think that's where all of the good growth happens when Mm -hmm. we feel a little nervous about it. Because otherwise, we're just, it's kind of like putting a filter on yourself. You know, you're like, I'm going to try to be quote unquote perfect. Mm -hmm. But then you are not uniquely you anymore. Right. You know, you're just trying to be a knockoff or something. What is one of your top tips for cultivating self confidence? Get to know yourself and go in completely open to realizing that you actually do not know yourself. So journal and let anything and everything that's coming to you out on a piece of paper, on audio recording if you don't like writing. Because it's so important when we are going through this self-development journey to realize that all the things that society and the world has put on us might not align to what we truly believe and that is okay so get to know yourself that's the best advice i could really give ruby learned something interesting about herself through journaling and it's similar to what tia learned in that epiphany prompting dance class i was actually really surprised when i learned that i was actually very judgmental about people and about myself because i always hate it when people would gossip but then I'd turn around and do it and I was like I'm not a gossiper I just say what's true you know so that was one of the biggest ones for me at least that I have to work on like still like if I catch myself starting to say something about someone like oh did you see what she was wearing or did you see what he was wearing or did you hear this those little things I hate when other people do it and realizing that I was doing that shit was so bad I guess when I realized that I actually did care what people said and what people thought about me because I always like I said prided myself and like I don't care what people say like fuck everyone but then I was like okay if I really didn't care I would not be wearing long sleeves every single day. After realizing that about herself Ruby started making changes. For one when she notices gossiping around her she hits pause. I either step away or, like, if we're in a car and we're talking, I'm like, hey, I don't feel comfortable with this conversation. And those things can make you look uncool at times and make you feel weird, but it gets easier, you know? And stand up for what you believe in. If you hear someone that's talking about something that you don't agree with, you could either step away, or if you have no opportunity to step away, just ask them to stop talking about it. You know, use your voice. We all have a voice. And for the longest time, I didn't use mine. Learning to use her voice and shifting away from gossip have both helped bolster Ruby's confidence in all areas of life. And she no longer feels the need to hide her shorter arm. That is a takeaway from many stories of folks who found their way to more sexual confidence. I hear it again and again. The more we question harmful thoughts and beliefs and respect others and ourselves, the more easily we can stand up for our desires. And there is serious confidence in that. Here is another way to nurture your sexual confidence explore your body and learn new skills. 
One awesome way to do so is to hop over to thepleasurechest.com to explore a huge range of vibrators, dildos, lube, and beginner's kits like the Tantus Bendover Beginner Kit for strap-on play and the Sports Sheets Beginner's Bondage Kit. The Pleasure Chest also sells books and games to give you ideas for spicy activities to try on your own or with a partner. To start perusing, head to thepleasurechest.com. Shipping is discreet and free over $75. Again, that's The Pleasure Chest at thepleasurechest.com. We can also feel more confident sexually by making pleasure a priority in our lives. Tia's advice for us all to take home involves just that. Today, I want you to put your pleasure first and also enjoy it longer. Okay, what does that mean? It means something like, what do you really want? Oh, you really want an iced coffee and you want this in it? You want like the extra sugar or whatever? Really enjoy it and enjoy it longer because as you start enjoying your pleasure that's easy, like maybe a drink of coffee or a delicious ice cream and you like really feel it and allow all the senses to enjoy it, maybe it's 30 more seconds, maybe it's a minute and just do that thing that you really want because it'll make it easier for you to do that in the bedroom. To learn more from Tia Lynn, check out her podcast, Sexy Biz Babe. You can also download her free workshop, Five Steps to Mind-Blowing Sex, at the link in the show notes. There you'll also find links to Skirt Club and Ruby's work. And if you're enjoying the show, I would so appreciate a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That is the Purple iPhone app or in the iTunes store. Those ratings really help the show reach more people who would benefit and help me reach my goals of bringing you all more fun and engaging content. Thank you so much for listening.